0: Thank you for listening to the Limitless Spirit Podcast. This is the conversation about faith, hope, and the impact we're designed to make as Christians on the world around us. Your host, Helen Todd the vice president of World Missions Alliance, has spent over two decades traveling to the world's hotspots to meet the spiritual and physical needs of those who are desperate. She interviews guests from different walks of life whose stories, books, and ideas examine today's most pressing issues and challenges of being a Christian today and inspire you to action.
1: A focus on others reflects, I believe, the heart of Jesus. It seems like he always had time to visit with people, no matter their station in life, no matter what their current problem happened to be. Trying to emulate that is something I still struggle with because there are days my head's down and I'm walking and I'm just focused on my next goal. I'm missing potential God moments, God-ordained moments when I do that.
2: I'm Helen Todd. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Limitless Spirit Podcast. Joining me today is Barry Marks, He's an entrepreneur and a businessman from Texas. I wanted to share with you a remarkable story of how Barry was recently asked by his boss to distribute one hundred thousand dollars in cash directly to one thousand families affected by Hurricane Laura. Like many of us, Barry's life and schedule are filled to the brim between his work, family, church, and other commitments. This unusual challenge gave him an insight on how we pursue our greater purpose in life through good stewardship. Before we get into that, though, I wanted to remind you that this is the second episode in our series called Greater Purpose. As a follower of Jesus, Barry Marks knows that a big part of his greater purpose in life is to help others. What about you? Have you taken time lately to think about your own purpose? Whether you have or not, I pray you will take Barry's words and his story to heart. Barry, thank you for being on the Limitless Spirit podcast.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me, Helen. I'm looking forward to our conversation today.
2: You have become an entrepreneur as a teenager when you worked as a dishwasher while learning the ropes of your family's data processing business. So it seems like this prepared you for your current career, which I find very interesting because you manage simultaneously different businesses and unrelated industries.
1: Yeah, and I think I actually take after my father in this. He he always just had a wide uh, range of interests across various business sectors. So um, I think I've been trained, uh, brought up in, if you will, and, and, and blessed with certain ability to to walk into various industries. And just supply principles of business and people development, just trying to help people reach their potential. And if we can do that, then the businesses are going to succeed. So that's kind of what I aim for, no matter whether I'm running an automobile dealership or, or a television station or hotels or a finance company. It, it's pretty much the same approach. We have to care about people first and then be prudent managers of the business.
2: Do you find your career personally satisfying?
1: I do, Helen, but I think like everybody, I have my ups and I have my downs. You know, there, there are times that, that uh, I, I'm having to talk myself out of bed in the morning. Fortunately, I think those are short-lived, but you know, the honest answer would be you know, I have those moments and, and I have those seasons where my motivation is fairly low. And it's kind of like when you go through a desert time and you're in our relationship with our with our Lord. I mean, we just don't get to stay on the mountaintop all the time. Sometimes we're on the plains and sometimes we're deep in the valley. I just try to be honest about the time and the season that it is with myself. So I can uh, allow a certain amount of grace to let that just process and play out. Of course, the mountaintop times are a whole lot more fun, <laughs> and I'd rather stay there all the time, but but in my experience, that's not the case.
2: So you mentioned that unlike most business people who want to eventually work for themselves, you find this idea actually unsatisfying.
1: Yeah, and I can't picture a worse experience in life than just working for myself. We're called to be in community where we discover each other and we discover God in, in our relationships. And so the best position we can be in is where are serving others and working for others.
2: This is where you really find your satisfaction is meeting the needs of others and serving others. I would say you truly have a heart of a servant.
1: I definitely find that a focus on others reflects, I believe, the heart of Jesus. It seems like he always had time to visit with people, no matter their station in life, no matter what their current problem happened to be. Trying to emulate that is something I still struggle with because there are days my head's down and I'm walking and I'm just focused on my next goal. And I've just I've learned over time when I do that, I'm missing potential God moments, God ordained moments when I do that. I try to become conscious of it and, and pick up my head, stop visit with folks, and just, just see, see what's going on in their lives.
2: Speaking of God-ordained moments, uh, let's talk about your recent experience that you really described to me as sort of a turning point in this season in your life, the moment when your boss asked you to give away $100,000 to 1,000 families who were affected by Hurricane Laura. So how did this idea even materialize?
1: The gentleman I work for named John, he um, always has a heart for people that have been devastated by something that was completely not of their making. Over the years, we've supported a lot of different organizations, uh, disaster organizations. Uh, He really felt like uh, uh, after Hurricane Laura, the Lord was was directing him toward direct help. And, and direct conversation with the people affected. What happened on a, on a Sunday afternoon was I got a phone call from John. He said, I want to help these people in, in the Lake Charles area. I want to give $100,000, but I don't want to do it like we've done in the past. I want it to go directly to the people. So you figure out how that's going to happen and make it happen and give me a call on Monday and tell me what you're doing.
2: Wow, what an assignment. What did you think about this idea right off the top of your head?
1: I just went to prayer. That that is a, right where I went immediately. I just said, "Lord, I don't have good enough ideas to to figure out how to give away a hundred thousand dollars in aid, and I going to trust that you can put the right people in the right place at the right time with the right ideas, and and we're going to find a way to get this done." So the next day, Monday, about eleven in the morning, I went over to to John's office, and he's going, "Hey, you know, so how are we going to do this?" And I said, "Let's take a hundred thousand dollars in cash." in $100 bills, and let's go bless 1,000 families. So here's $100. I know it's not a ton of money, but I hope it goes far enough to help you meet whatever your most immediate need is.
2: So, you know, Hurricane Laura, it caused, I think, $14 billion worth of destruction, and, and it killed 77 people. And many people just completely lost their homes, lost their businesses. So did you feel like maybe the magnitude of destruction is much greater than what a $100 bill can accomplish?
1: That is exactly what I thought going into this. I mean, this is this is completely insignificant compared to what these people are facing. And my experience was exactly the opposite. The impact of first it's help that's unlooked for. You know, people were not expecting someone to come up and Offer them some help. It took them by surprise. And, and the way I, I approach this was there were really three areas of need that, that I was hoping we could address. One is providing emotional support. You know, these people have just been through a disaster and whatever the conditions of their family, their health, their, their home, just to let them know that there's people who, who are with them. And the second thing was um, just the physical support, and, and, and I do want to give you a physical blessing, and, and, it's, and it's, here's a $100 bill for you to spend wherever you need it most. And then the third is spiritual support, uh, and that is if we don't have our eyes fixed on Jesus, we're going to suffer through this disaster much more than we need to. If we think that all of our resources are limited to the physical and the emotional, it will take its toll. Uh, but if we can stop and, and, and trust our father, this disaster did not surprise him. He hears every petition that we put before him. And, and let's focus on, on Christ and, and, and his provision and let him carry the burden while we walk through the disaster. And that was my goal was, was with each person I encountered, I wanted to, to provide those three layers of support to him. And and when I opened up with, would you like to receive a blessing from the Lord? I have something for you. And they get a $100 bill. The fact that someone is there offering support, they've been so stressed and under so much pressure. So many times, just instant tears.
2: How did you do it practically? I mean... Here you have like $100,000 in a backpack or something <laughs> in $100 bills, and you're in the area of disaster. And how did you carry out this task in just the most practical terms?
1: When I got into the area, I just took about $15,000 of it and assembled with some people. Vernon was one of them, a former team member of mine. He used to run our hotel here, uh, who's now a deacon in the Catholic Church full-time. And then another gentleman who was a construction worker, his name was Shane. So the four of us just drove into the disaster area on Tuesday afternoon with 15000 in cash. We said, let's figure out how we're going to do this and how we're going to give all this away. First, we tried to go door to door and we realized that's going to be way too slow. It, it, we do not have enough manpower and it would take weeks to go door to door. So we landed on a strategy of hitting places where people are congregating. Sometimes it was Salvation Army feed trucks. Sometimes it it was like a plain old gas station where cars were 30 deep waiting to get gas. Uh, We went to the National Guard's center where they gave away ice and water. The United Way uh, was giving away food at one one spot, and that's where this this third day kind of kicked in here. And when we left there, we didn't have much money left, and and so uh, my partner of the day, Gary, and I just stopped and we prayed and said, Lord, you know, we've only got $3,100 left, that's 31 families, we're just going to drive the car, and, and I'm asking you to direct the car and our decisions to, to where you would point us. And so we got into traffic right away, and we see the smoke coming out of this, uh, what looks like it used to be a restaurant. Gentleman's name there was Antonio that owned the restaurant. And he explained to us how the restaurant's destroyed. Um, he used to have a couple awnings where there were eating areas and, and they were just crumpled metal over in the corner of the parking lot. I asked him, you yeah, know, well, you know, how much are you charging for, for food here? And his answer was, I'm not charging anything. Uh, I'm giving this away to anybody that needs it. Come to find out, his house was completely destroyed in this hurricane and, and homes of his family that lived near him were completely destroyed in this hurricane. And here he and his wife were cooking food for people and giving it away instead of taking care of their own needs. And And I was just humbled by his his servant heart and his willingness to do that. And so it was a real honor and privilege to meet Antonio. And we just prayed uh, with Antonio, prayed over his business and his family and all that. And it, it was a really special moment. And um, I felt like the, the, the spirit was present in that time. And so we hugged it out, and he went back to, to his restaurant. And so my partner and I, we turned around, and we started to walk to the car. And stepping out of the shadows is this gentleman that was wearing his black T-shirt. He had a, a white headdress on. And he just looked to me like he was
2: uh, Up to no good. <laughs> up to no
1: good, just maybe. And the first words out of his mouth really surprised me. This, this guy says, what were you doing with that man? Were you all praying? Uh, yes, we were. We were praying. He's like, "Well, will you pray with me?" <laughs> and you could knock me over with a feather at that point. And I was like, "Absolutely. Let's uh let's do that." And his next question was, "Do you know who God is?" Yes, I do know who God is. "Do you know who Jesus is?" And his answer was, "No, I don't know who Jesus is. I've I've gone to churches. I've gone to mosques, I've gone to temples. I, I've gone I've talked to everybody and and all they do is make a lot of noise." And I don't understand any of it. So it gave me a chance to tell him that Jesus was God and he became a man so that he could speak to us in a human language. So we could understand that the depth of his love and caring for us and and, and the purposes of God. And the whole time I just felt like this, this man needed to be set free. And I don't know what all from, and I don't need him focusing on it or talking about all he needs to be set free from. I just kept asking him over and over again, do you want to be set free? And each time I I got a yes back with more enthusiasm as we went further and deeper into the gospel message, he wanted to be set free and he wanted to accept Christ.
2: And at this point, he didn't know anything about the $100 bill, right? This was all happening just spontaneously.
1: He had no clue that, that there, was a, there was a physical blessing coming at the end of all this too. But first was, was he, he was going to be made new. He was going to become a new creation. And God set this appointment up. He set up Damien for this moment. And I tell you, the, the difference, he was smiling, the stress that was in his face before, it, it just dissipated to, to, to calmness. And he was just happy, happy, happy. And it was a very special moment.
2: This reminds me of the parable that Jesus told in Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30, about the servants who were entrusted by their master with money. And only those who multiplied it were praised by their master. And as I'm thinking uh, about the story of your boss giving you his money, entrusting you with his money to give it away, what I think was happening as you were led by the Holy Spirit to the right place at the right time and you encountered all these people, you were multiplying this money because you were achieving something that was a lot greater than what a $100 bill can accomplish. You know, we talked about the $100 bill being a drop in the bucket for people who may have lost their home or their business. But, you know, I'm listening to the story of Damien, who accepted Jesus into, their, into his heart, which has really changed the course of his life for eternity. Or Antonio, who was um, encouraged and blessed, that's a lot more than a $100 bill can accomplish. So in a sense, you were like a good servant who were multiplying the resources that you were given by your master.
1: The way I look at it, reflecting back on it now, the word I'll use is steward. Because of the generosity of, of, of John, he, he assigned me as a steward of, of this task. Like he's saying in Matthew 25, here's the, here's the money, go multiply it. And this is how I want it multiplied. I want it multiplied by changing people's lives. And in the case of Damien, coming to, to saving knowledge of the Lord, I mean, how much is that worth? That's worth hundred grand for sure, right? But, but it wasn't just Damien. It was multiplied many times over. And so the multiplication is beyond our ability to anticipate. And it's beyond our ability to observe, because the changes are continuing. I mean, the the, the people being reached—I'll never know who else was reached through this. Who knows who Damien touches next? You know, of, of the cards uh, that we walked up to and the people that we prayed with. You know, who knows who they touch next? And so uh, we always hear the ripple effect, and, and you cast the the pebble into the pond, and the ripples go all the way to the other shore. And I got to watch some tidal wave ripples, uh, and I got to see some of that. But I believe the multiplication effect is is going to create ripples that I will never see.
2: Well, let's talk about the effect that it had on your life personally. This whole experience made you reevaluate your life's purpose and your personal stewardship of what God has entrusted you with. So how would you define your life's purpose in this season of your life?
1: Here's my observation from this is, is I was a steward of someone else's money. And it was so easy to give away, Helen. It, it was simple, right? I, I, I gave it away without hesitation. I had a very clear goal in mind and, and, I, and I made it happen. And it was joyful. The challenge I have in front of me now is how come I'm not looking at everything else that the Lord has blessed me with, me personally with, with the same open hand, with the same steward's heart that it's not my money. It, it it's not my time. I just need to it's it's the Lord's and I need to be giving it away more generously, more quickly, more graciously than I ever have before in my life. That is a huge challenge. Uh I, I feel like I am generous. I feel like you know I, I look for people's needs and I try to meet them where and when I can. But what this experience taught me was that I have barely taken a step on that road to true stewardship. And, and it's gonna require a change of mind and a change of heart and, and and that I need to work through. There is no finish line. And and I think it's just a continual maturing in Christ and trusting him. And that's what I think he invites us to do, or is inviting me to do. Let me make it personal. He's inviting me to trust him with every aspect and surrender my ownership and truly try to do what I've listened to for decades, and and that is be a steward. I did not give out a single $100 bill of my own while I was in Lake Charles. It never even occurred to me to do that. Uh, were there more people to, whose needs needed to be met after I gave out that last $100 bill? Yeah, absolutely. I could have hung in that town for a week and, and not run out of people that needed help. It was a, a defining moment for me to recognize my self centeredness and my selfishness and my ownership of things that I shouldn't own.
2: Your story is very powerful because when God created Adam and Eve and placed them in the Garden of Eden, He gave them a pretty simple instruction, be fruitful and multiply. And, you know, it didn't just pertain to them having children and populating the earth, but it's being fruitful with what God has given them, producing fruit and multiplying what he has given them. And I feel like this is a pretty good direction for us. If we're fruitful with our resources, if we multiply our resources, I think we're following God's plan. Well
1: said. And I want to say this. I've been on a mission trip with WMA. God just opens all sorts of doors to confirm that, yes, I want you uh, to join me in my work. And this is where I'm working. And, and, and just walking through the hard decision of ultimately deciding that to go on a trip and then the time frame between decision to go and the time to go to, to receive some confirming answers from time to time that, yes, you made the right decision, you're supposed to go on this trip, to actually going on a trip at WMA, where 100% of, of my focus at that point in time becomes the mission trip. Uh, to get away from things that are, are common to me, thing, to my normal routine, to things that, that I'm used to paying attention to or getting phone calls all during the day about, and to have none of that and, and to be able to be isolated just on the mission. All that that I learned from my WMA experience went into this Lake Charles experience. As we all are working toward our, our greater purposes and, and whatnot, the opportunity... To, to work with WMA and, and to go through that decision-making process and the commitment and, and then the actual trip is something that changes, changes the, the way we think. At least it changed the way that I thought for the rest of your life. That was one trip, but I promise you it, it, it multiplied the effect beyond the area that we served because everyone who's, who is serving is going back to their home country in her home area a different person with 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 a different way of thinking. And 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 the multiplication just keeps going on.
2: I definitely saw the parallels between, you know, helping in the disaster area and our trips in the areas where, you know, something happened. It could be a war or political conflict or or a natural disaster. And uh, obviously, we can't meet all the needs that are there, but this is we, we do exactly what you did in the area of um, Hurricane Laura disaster, you know, just trying to reach one person at a time and let them know that they're not forgotten, that God knows exactly where they are. And he cared to send people all the way <laughs> from half across the world just to tell them about it. So definitely many parallels. Well, thank you so much, Barry. That was a very exciting story, and I'm so glad we got to talk about it. And I know that uh, our listeners are going to enjoy it very much.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Helen.
2: Generosity is a journey. I have known Barry for a number of years as a very generous person. I appreciate Barry's candid and ongoing pursuit of becoming a true steward of all the things that God has given to him. That goes hand in hand with finding true fulfillment and purpose in being fruitful and multiplying everything entrusted to us just like God commanded Adam and Eve. Barry also mentioned taking a mission trip with World Missions Alliance. If you think doing that could be part of God's calling for you, please go to our website to learn more, rfwma.org. And while you're there, be sure also to check out the information about the Greater Purpose Conference. We're planning it in May 2021. You will not want to miss this incredible gathering. Thank you again for listening to Limitless Spirit. Be sure to check back soon for more episodes of how God is helping people find their greater purpose. I'm Helen Todd.
0: Limitless Spirit is produced by World Missions Alliance. If you believe in the importance of the Great Commission, sharing Christ around the world and helping those in need, check out our website, rfwma.org. If you liked what you heard, consider supporting the Limitless Spirit podcast by going to rfwma.org slash give. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and leave us a review. Tune in next week for another exciting episode.